0: Today on episode number 478, we're going to talk about something that's not really about massaging your message and helping you tackle the technology, but it is something that hints why it's episode number 478, and this is why we're talking about it, and that is stalkers and podcast hosts. And my goal here is not to scare anybody, but you'll see, we're going to talk with a stalking expert. We're also going to talk about what you can learn from Johnny Manziel, who's a football player and the fact that we just need to go in with our eyes open. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I'm your very own personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, look, we talk about all things podcasting. I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology and I help you flatten the learning curve and get you on the road to pain-free podcasting. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. I'm so happy that you're here. And I got to tell you, uh, next weekend, I'm going to be in New Jersey at Podcast Mid-Atlantic. Check it out, podcastmidatlantic.com. This is the first ever podcast conference, and I'm going to be the closing keynote. And can I let you in on a little secret? I know I'm going to be fine. I got my presentation done last night. I'm a little nervous. There's something weird about that word keynote and doing something for the first time. I've never been a keynote speaker. I've been featured. Or they've caught it. But this is one of my, no, he's a closing keynote. And that's going to be cool. I'm really looking forward to it. If you're anywhere in the New Jersey uh, vicinity next weekend, check out podcast MidAtlantic.com. A lot of things going on in September. There's uh, the New Media Europe is going on. You can find that at NewMediaEurope.com. That's uh, September 12th and the 13th. And of course, September 30th is International Podcasting Day. I got my T-shirt this weekend. I was really, really excited about that. And this is just a way to start the conversation with your friends, with your family about podcasting. And I know some people are coming up with different things to do with podcasting and on their podcast, just a way to kind of celebrate our birthday in terms of podcasting. So check that out, internationalpodcastingday.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So today I want to talk about stalkers. And and to do this, we're going to talk in generalities today. The whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus kind of thing. And you know what? Not all men are from Mars and not all women are from Venus. So yeah, that means some of the things we're going to say, you're going to go, hey, that's not me. And I'm going to like, yeah, you know what? It's not you. You're probably not the norm. But it's something I want to talk about. Why? Because there are these things that keep floating into podcasting that weren't there in two thousand five and they're called women, hallelujah, yes, yay women and when I was growing up, my sister is one of the most trusting people on the planet, and she has oh here 's the fun thing we don 't know what the deal is with my sister uh I'm starting to think she has asperger's but there's there's something there that's not a hundred percent the way it should be. And she is a trusting soul. I give an example, my sister, and I think this is adorable. My sister will not eat devil's food cake because it has the word devil in it. Yeah, who knows? It's my sister. I love my sister, but, so she's a very trusting person. And she was, uh, she takes the bus everywhere. And she unfortunately gave too much information to a guy on the bus who then started calling her all the time uh, John Wesley and, uh, not that John Wesley, the, the creepy guy. Yeah. And, um, I remember that guy cause he was creepy and we did all sorts of stuff. We would, um, he would call up and she had a whistle and would just blow into the phone to blow out his ear. And we could not deter this guy. So we actually had to go through and document when he called and get the phone company involved. And eventually we got him to, to back off, but he was a little creepy. And so there are people like that that, you know, just need a little bit of information. And that was before the Internet. So, again, creepy. But if I could talk to the guys for a second, I'm going to tell you a story about how I crossed the line. And that's the point. There is no one-size-fits-all for the line that you cross. I've worked with some women. That will say things that will make the most um, rude and like double entendre stuff that I'm like, holy, like, wow, that's somebody didn't go to the sexual harassment class. And they're just spewing this stuff. And I'm like, woofah. And then there are other women that can be uh, very, uh, they, they can be offended very easily. And let me give an example of that. I was working for a company. First day of work. Dave's kind of nervous meeting all these new people, fear of the unknown. And, um, my boss walks me over and says, um, Hey Dave, I'd like you to meet Angie Salisbury. And me being first day, Hi, I don't know. Okay. I'm like, Angie, so great to meet you. I love your steaks. Get it. Cause her last name was Salisbury. That means Salisbury steaks. See, get it. And my boss giggled. He thought it was kind of funny. And, um, you know, I went on to meet another 400 people that uh, whose names I would never remember. And so the next day, I thought my boss was making it up. But I had to go to Angie and apologize. And I'm like, for what? And I'm like, she was really offended, that remark you made about her name. Now, my last name begins with the word Jack. Now, there's all sorts of donkey references. There is the opposite of on- all sorts of things, Action Jackson, Michael Jackson, uh, Apple Jacks, you know, uh, my name has been butchered. Num- so for me to go, Salisbury, love your steaks, uh, why, yeah, not just because she's different than me doesn't mean it's wrong. It's not wrong, it's just different. So, gentlemen, realize that there is a line to be crossed. And it may be completely different than yours, right? You're thinking, ah, I'm just kidding around. I'm just joking. Ah, she knows it's a joke. No, no, she may not know it's a joke. And it's not funny. And if you have someone that you're just joking around with and they politely, and you'll hear here in a second, unfortunately politely say, eh, you just bring it down just a little bit. Yeah. What they're really saying is knock it off completely. And so with this in mind, I think it is something we need to think about. And my goal here is not to make you afraid to start a podcast, but I think in general, we share so much on social media now that maybe we ought to think just a little harder on what we do and do not share, especially for females getting into podcasting. I think it's fine. There have been people that have been podcasting a long time. When I was at the New Media Expo, uh, myself and Eric K. Johnson, the podcast talent coach, uh, we were talking to two ladies who, it just so happened, were young and attractive i don't forget their names but they were saying should they use their real names and they were doing a show about relationships and the old in out in out and um we said yeah uh because guys are creepy they're going to see your picture you're talking about the old in out in out and i would definitely get you know it's it you have tremendous potential there to have uh, just a creepathon, And so hopefully they took our advice, but it's not a one-size-fits-all, but there are some things you could think about, and that's why I brought in Dr. Steve Albrecht here to talk about stalkers. Well, joining me via Skype is Dr. Steve Albrecht. He is the, first of all, he's a podcaster. How cool is that? He's the host of the Crime Time podcast. You can find him. uh, It's Dr. Steve Albrecht, and Dr. is just DR, so drstevealbrecht.com. He's been a trainer for over 26 years, so kudos for being a trainer. And in uh, 1994, he co-wrote Ticking Bombs, which is uh, about diffusing violence in the workplace, and one of the first business books on workplace violence. Now, besides his work as a conference presenter and a keynote speaker— he appears frequently in the media and on the Internet as a source on workplace violence, security, crime and terrorism. He has 15 books, including Tough Training Topics, which is a presenter's survival guide, adding value negotiating. Service, service, service. Love the name of that one. And uh, fear and violence on the job. Now, in uh, 1999, you retired from the San Diego Police Department, where you'd worked there since 1984, both as a full-time officer and later as a reserve sergeant. Uh, you spent six years in the domestic violence unit. That's kind of one of the the things when I talked about, uh, when I kind of sent out the word, I'm like, hey, I need a, a stalking expert. And I saw that and the fact that you had handled over 1,500 cases, I was like, all right, this is the guy we've got to talk to. So uh, welcome, Dr. Steve Albrecht. Thanks for coming on the show, buddy.
1: Dave, good to be with you. Thanks. I'm happy to talk about this topic.
0: Yeah, because the the fun part is one of the goals of a podcast, whether it's a business or a hobby or whatever it is, people always say, well, tell stories about yourself and, and share a little bit about yourself. So I thought, you know what, there might be some things that We need somebody with your expertise that has seen things that probably make you scratch your head. And and, uh, I I know one of your books is about library security and and all the interesting people that hang out in libraries. And I just thought uh, maybe we should talk about what is the balance? How do you find that balance between sharing yourself and and what things should we really think about when it comes to, to sharing personal information?
1: You know, Dave, one of the things that's really changed from my time in the police department till now is, is social media and the and the movement of the Internet towards just the technology at the speed of sound. So, I mean, cell phones existed back in the old days. I had a flip phone, probably so did you. But now you have so much control, so much power in your phone that you're on Skype and you're on Twitter and you're on Facebook and you're on Tinder and you're on every other thing in the galaxy that people like to go to, especially people under under 30, under 25, are really connected. That didn't exist so much in the old days. Well, the pro and the con of that is just as much technology that is supportive of us can also lead to people getting after you or or coming after you uh, that didn't have that knowledge before, and now they do. If I put your name into a search engine, certain types, in about 15 minutes, I can have a lot of information. Even if you want to be a very private person, it's difficult.
0: Yeah, and that's where, like on your show, you use your real name because, well, it's, it's you and you are the brand. Is that something that we should be thinking about, maybe not using our last name or should we use a fake name or where do you draw the line? I think using your name is
1: okay. I think having an identity that's built around the brand that you're trying to do, especially for podcasting, it's all about the brand. But the other part is how do you compartmentalize the other parts of your life? Do you have a PO box? Do you have a a UPS type of a mailbox where you don't, mail doesn't come to your house? Do you, do you compartmentalize your life so that you're not constantly telling everybody on social media where you're eating, where you're going to the movies, (laughs) where you're going here, when you're going on vacation? I, I find those people kind of puzzling because they, at one point, talk about how they feel invaded if people come after them. But yet again, they spend so much time giving out information. So what's the balance between enough to build your brand, but, but also enough to have a personal life behind the scenes as well?
0: Well, when you have somebody that, that has somebody that's kind of crossed the line, what are some of the things that we should be thinking about? You kind of mentioned some already. Is there like something you go, oh, man, it just the, the common things that people do that they just don't think about?
1: The, the biggest issue for women is that they're usually too polite. And so for guys, it, it's not really the same. When a, a guy's mess with me, they say, leave me alone, and that, that's sometimes enough. But sometimes women give mixed messages to these guys, especially who um, guys have kind of an obsessional personality that they feel like, oh, this person's the girl for me, and she just doesn't know it yet. I need to double down on number of texts and phone calls and voicemails and letters and all that type of stuff, um, emails. So what they say sometimes is, you know, I'm not really interested in a relationship with you right now. And what the guy hears is right now means uh, maybe in two months you will. So I need to keep trying harder. So boundaries are really important. And if you have a kind of a professional face, how do you create the right kind of boundaries? One, one way to create a boundaries is no means no. And so if I have, you know, if, you, if you're an attractive woman and I'm interested and I have to call you 25 times to get you to go to coffee with me because you go to coffee just to get me to stop calling, then the magic number is 25. If I want to get you to go out on a date with me, maybe I need to call you 100 times. So the idea that these guys don't really see that number as being anything that's finite, they just say, I'll keep calling till you give in and finally go out with me. That's a problem. So you have to say, no thank you, don't call me again, no contact with me whatsoever, and, and stop sort of sending mixed messages to these people that sometimes they think, well, I just need to try harder.
0: Yeah, and I guess the, the problem is we're worried about hurting their feelings. Like I don't want to be mean, but on the other hand, it's like you said, with an, an obsessive point of view, if you don't kind of drop the hammer, it sounds like they're just going to keep coming.
1: If you look at stalking perpetrators as a, as a type of a behavior, it is really obsessional behavior. And so the, these people have an audience of one or two or three or four that they're really, really interested in. You know, we we used to laugh in the old days. These are the same people that send wedding gifts to soap opera stars on TV because they think they got married. So so the idea that they have really poor boundaries and they've had poor boundaries a lot in their life. And so they just see you as sort of an obstacle to overcome. And, and you know, mom and dad told you, keep trying, son. Don't don't give up. You know, have mm-hmm. some perseverance. And they just switched that over, not from getting a good job or having a nice career, but to, to getting into somebody's life. So it's difficult to say, how do I have a public face? I want to market myself, brand myself, create an identity that people recognize me. But also, how do I have a private life as well? And we can talk about some of the strategies for that.
0: What would be a, a sign? How do they, How do I know... That they've gone from being a fan of my show to, okay, maybe I have a problem here. Are there any signs we should be looking for?
1: Yeah, intuition's a big driver for this. One of my favorite movies of all time is the movie Swingers. And in that movie, John Favreau, he meets a girl at a bar and he calls her at at 2.03 in the morning and then at 2.07 in the morning and then 2.12 in the morning. and He keeps calling her back and running out of the voice answering machine because he keeps wanting to say what he wants to say. So if you think intuitively, wow, this person just met me and now they're sending me 25 emails, now they're sending me a couple of texts, they figured out how to get my personal telephone number, they've used some good social engineering to figure out ways to contact me, and they just start this obsessive pattern of contacting, that's a huge warning sign. Most people, if they're interested in you, they'll send you a polite hello, a polite text, a, a polite tweet. Whatever it happens to me, make contact. If you're interested, you'll reciprocate. If not, you you won't. But they don't keep stepping on the gas pedal and really doubling down by 10, 20, 30, 50 times. And that's
0: when the red flag goes up.
1: Yeah, it's a huge warning sign.
0: Do you know, percentage-wise, I I guess being a guy, I would think there would be more problems with guys stalking women than, than women stalking guys.
1: Yeah, you're correct. I mean, it's about 85% male perpetrators and about 15% female perpetrators. So, you know, you know, we have same-sex sexual orientation stalking. We have men being stalked by women, but it's pretty rare. Most women, you know, they, they recognize boundaries a little bit better than men do. And, and quite frankly, you know, men have this sort of male testosterone, this male energy that they have to conquest and go out and, and get this person or this woman to, to like them or love them one way or the other. It's mostly a male-based thing. You look at guys who go to prison for this crime, they come out and they start right, right back up again. Prison meant nothing to them. Going to jail meant nothing to them. Going to counseling meant nothing to them. They just start back, back, back up again. So that obsessional behavior is very difficult to, to get off track. You look at people who have done this with multiple victims, especially going after people in the media, they've done it for, for 10, 15 years. Wow.
0: Well, you'd mention things like using a P.O. box, if you're going to have anything, if you... Number one, I guess you should ask yourself, do I need to have a physical location? I know for if you're going to have an email list, I think by law you have to list some sort of address. So that's where you might do something like a P.O. box. What are some other strategies?
1: Yeah, the you know, the mailboxes, et cetera, the U U S P you know, UPS mailboxes type thing where you have a compartmentalized location where your mail comes in, people want to come and deliver something to you. That that's another big thing with folks that are over the top in terms of their obsessional belief, I'll figure out where you work, I'll figure out where you bank, I'll figure out where you go to the gym, and I'll show up there. I've had lots of cases where you know, the person meets this person one time and then next thing you know, they're showing up at the bar or the gym and you say, well, how do they know about that? Either through social engineering, through social media or simply following the person or sometimes these guys can be quite clever about it. They figure out where you work, they call up, they ask a lot of questions. When are you going on vacation? When are you coming back? That type of stuff. And people are very polite in the workplace. Sometimes receptionists, secretaries, co-workers will say, oh yeah, Dave's over here or Dave's over there and that's how these people figure this stuff out. So I always look at how do you compartmentalize your life and say, I have the right to a private life. My public face might be on my website or my public face is on on Facebook, but it's, it's sort of business oriented. Any kind of contact to me is going to come to a place where I can control it. I, I get concerned, especially when women put a lot of personal details on what their high school mascot was and and things like that. I mean, if I, I'm pretty clever, I can figure out where you went to school, what part of town you live in, in about a half hour.
0: Wow, this again. Is, these are the things you don't think about. You're just like, okay, yeah, I was a you know whatever. A, fighting raider insert generic uh kind of thing here wow okay what's um any fun cop stories that let's just scare the pants off everybody uh what what's the freakiest case you've you've run into that just somebody just wouldn't stop
1: many years ago i had a case where a woman worked at a a bank and she was a you know senior vice president and she began getting these very um, sexually pornographic letters delivered to her house and she had a very sort of hidden away house. You know how you have 704 Main Street? Her house was like 704 and a half which is in the back. And there was no way anyone ever saw it. It was like a granny flat. No one ever saw it from the street. Mm. Well, these were being delivered right to her home and on her front, front porch, so the guy actually knew where she lived. Mm. Very uh, sexually provocative and, and very uh, frightening letters in some detail. Always ended by, have a nice weekend with your favorite man. Well, it turns out that after many weeks of investigations, someone that worked uh probably three or four levels below her said, Have a great weekend with your favorite band and she did a double take and figured out it was this this creepy guy that worked in her same office. Short short story long, you know, we find out the guy has priors for this type of stuff, been arrested for it before, managed to figure out where she was based on getting into the company database, and there you go. Got arrested for it and prosecuted. But when you look at some of these cases, you say well, I'm a very private person. I have a very compartmentalized life. I don't give out my home address. And then you, you go to some church function or your kid's PTA thing, and you, you put your address on some clipboard of some forms so we can get in touch with you, and they scan that and put it on the Internet. So the idea that you have a, a compartmentalized private life is very tough to do these days, as you know, with so many resources, so many databases out there. I mean, if I have your cell phone number, if I have what part of the country you live in, if I have your middle initial. I mean, there's a lot of information. And and one of the cases that we looked at that really started the stalking law revolution happened back in 1985. There was an, an actress named Rebecca Schaefer. She was on a TV show called My Sister Sam. She was killed by a guy named Robert John Bardo, paid a PI, a private investigator in, in Arizona, to get her driver's license information in California. He showed up at her house. He shot and killed her uh, on her front steps. She was about 20 years old, 21 years old. So that happened in 85, and right after that, in 1990, California created the first stalking law. So we have the first, because we have the most oddballs in California, of course. <laughs> we have the first stalking law, which, which started in 1990. Every state in the United States has made stalking a felony, and that's a pretty monumental move, where you say, in this country, that crime is so well known to everybody, it's a felony in all 50 states. Why that's important is sometimes, and I go back to women sometimes being too polite, they talk themselves out of their feelings. This guy's bothering me. He's calling me constantly. He's trying to figure out ways to show up. He's sending things to my parents or my friends, that type of thing. That's actually a crime if you're in fear for your life. And what they do sometimes is minimize the behavior and say, well, it's really not that big of a deal, and actually it is kind of a big deal, and they need to tell somebody.
0: So I have somebody now. I'm I'm a female. There's a guy just, you know, now he's sending me messages on Facebook, he's tweeting me, whatever it's doing, and I've gone through. And I, 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 you know, I buckled down and I said, look, don't contact me anymore, this and that. But they just won't stop. What's the next step? Well, one good thing about the
1: social media that you mentioned is they are getting better now. And I think Facebook and Twitter and, and those folks have evolved to say, if you want to block people so they no longer can make contact with you, you can do that. And I highly encourage people to do that. There, there's a sense that you know I, if somehow I don't keep engaging with this person I'm going to make them even matter well my, my philosophy is you must cut off all contact and, and no means no if you send any kind of mixed messages especially as a woman then they just step on the gas pedal even harder so those social media sites can certainly help to to block out a lot of those types of contacts where this person is not getting that feedback that they want when they're not getting the feedback they're not getting the response that they want they're not Thinking that they're moving the ball forward with you, they oftentimes switch over to somebody else. But if that's not happening and they get even more invasive, you need to tell people in your life, family, friends. You know, it's funny. You and I would think that if some some woman said, you know, leave me alone, or I'm going to sick my boyfriend or my husband who plays linebacker for the Bears. You know, I'm going to I'm going to him on you, and you'll be in trouble. That, that doesn't stop those guys. They just think, well, I'll, I'll beat up the husband, or shoot him, or wait him out, or you know, I'll hit him hit him with my car. That doesn't stop them. You have to eliminate all contact with these guys and say, that's it. No more discussion. I'm not going to engage with you and then get them to go away by attrition.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, uh, my wife has a guy that shows up about every three years and just calls her. It was an old friend, but he's always kind of a little over the line and wants to make sure she's still married. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, you don't need to take that call. And she's like, well, he's, he's, you know, he's, he calls once every three. I'm like, yeah, that's don't take that call. It's that's why he keeps calling.
1: So you you and her both together, intuitive people, would say that's not right. I mean, it, it just doesn't pass the intuition test. You say that guy doesn't do that on a, on a reasonable basis. That That's creepy and, and a little bit intrusive. And so when you think about that behavior, there's a goal for that. There's a reason behind that. Like he says, he's waiting for you to get hit by a bus or drop over dead. And, and those types of folks can, can just continue on forever. One of the things law enforcement is much better at these days is identifying those folks, coming after them early and saying, okay, put you on notice. We're going to put you in the system here. We're going to run your background for guns or mental health or drug or alcohol history or whatever. We'll put you on notice not to contact this person again. Uh, sometimes for those who are at the earliest levels, that can really drive that person away. For some of the other ones, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything, and they just get even even more extreme.
0: Is there a line that needs to be crossed before I can
1: get the police involved? If you look at stalking as an a, all-50 states type of thing, the elements are pretty much the same. I have to be afraid of this person physically. If they're just an irritant, it may not be stalking. If the guy's just a jerk. It may not be stalking. But I'm afraid of this person physically, and the behavior is a pattern of, of harassment over a span of time. Even one day, calls me at 8 o'clock in the morning, calls me at noon, calls me at 5 o'clock. That could be defined as a pattern of behavior over a span of time. Um, I did a case once where a guy racked a shotgun into the telephone, and the judge said, that worked for me. I mean, the victim was fearful that the guy was going to drive over and, and, and harm her. So when you look at the the, the all 50 states, you don't have to have a dead body in the alley in order to call the cops. The thing the police really look for, especially with prosecutors and trying to prosecute these cases, and you can imagine what the de- defense attorney saying, these, my, my client's a very uh, nice guy, he's a religious man, he's very interested in this person, he's very harmless, and he could never hurt a fly, et cetera, et cetera, is sometimes the victim needs to keep a log. So the log will be, here's a collection of the texts, the tweets, the emails, here's a collection of the phone calls at all hours, here's, a, here's the voicemails. I tell people, if you're getting odd texts, uh, do a screen save of those, cap- capture that, that photo, print it out, and add it to your collection. If you can show the police, especially they show the prosecutors, a collection of this behavior, you go, this is not just a one-time thing, this is an all-the-time thing. It really strengthens the case.
0: Yeah, and if you're unaware on an iPhone, if you hold down the home button and press the on-off switch, it'll take a screenshot of your iPhone. So that's an easy way. And from there, it puts it in your photos and you can email it to yourself or, you know, do whatever you want to uh, keep that. And of course, obviously on uh, on a normal computer, there's all sorts of ways to take a screenshot and uh, document, document, document.
1: Exactly. And the other reason we're telling your friends and family is just for safety. Is say, you know, Mom, um, this guy keeps calling me and I don't know what's going on here, but I want to have a, a, a note out to you and to some other people in my life to, to pay attention to this type of situation because you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, it's not that big of a deal until you're, you're, the guy shows up. Well, it can be quite psychologically terrifying. And these cases can happen over, over email, over, over voicemail, over the technology we have, not necessarily face to face. You can still be quite afraid of being harmed, even if you never see this person. But I find the behavior really interesting because it's happened in our society for thousands of years this, you know, men pursue women and a lot of the movies that we like are all about this pursuit. You know, guy gets girl, guy loses girl, guy gets girl back again. A lot of the songs in popular culture are really about this, this kind of subject. And then we're surprised that it's so common in the culture. You know, if you talk to, you know, most women, I would say about 50% of them can tell you a story of a creepy guy that just wouldn't let them alone from about age 14 into adulthood.
0: Wow. Guys are just creepy, I guess, in general. (laughs) Sometimes
1: they can be, yes, sir.
0: Well, I definitely think you've given us some some great insights, and I I think we understand. To me, I think the big thing that uh, I I think people need to hear, especially females, is now is not the time to be polite. You don't have to be nasty, mean, but like you just said, say this is inappropriate, don't contact me anymore. Just draw the line and and make it completely, you know, no questions, not so much no questions, but just uh, don't leave any room for them to go, So I got a shot. There's a great scene in uh, Dumb and Dumber.
1: I want to ask you a question straight out, flat out. I want you to give me the honest answer. What do you think the chances
0: are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. We really don't hit me with it. Just give it
1: to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. Just least you can do is level with me. What are my chances?
0: Not good. You mean not good like one out of a hundred? I'd say more like one out of a million.
1: So you're telling me there's a chance? Yeah! Exactly. Classic. <laughs> He'll use that as a training video, actually. I mean, that, that sense. He has no, you know, there's a couple things he says which are interesting in that scene. He said, I came a long way just to see you, as if that were her fault, as if that were her, on her volition, right? The least you can do is level with me, as if she owes him some kind of explanation. That's the way these guys type, t- tend to think. One more thing, Dave, uh, is the idea of the restraining order. Hmm. And, and we see this a lot. Get a restraining order. Get a civil civil stay-away order. Um, in my experience, those things make things instantly worse in some situations and do no value at all in others. And then sometimes can be very useful. The, the, the guiding point for me is if the guy in question or the woman receives the restraining order is relatively... Sane and a good rule follower, then they'll typically follow the restraining order. And they won't bother the person. If they're not a good rule follower, as a lot of these guys said not to be, then, then they won't follow and it's a waste of time. The other issue is sometimes the victim doesn't call the police enough. You know, the guy called me 10 times, showed up twice, and then finally came into the building. That's when I called the police. Well, you should have called the cops when he called the first time. That's, that's a big issue is actually enforcing the restraining order.
0: Yeah. Don't, uh, don't wait. You know, that's, uh, it's like you say, you never know how far they're going to go and, I would think if again it comes back to being polite and when you've identified somebody that wow this this is somebody that's crossed the line and I I think maybe that's part of it I think women different women draw the line at different places and so it's like you said they're kind of like well maybe he's not that harmless we'll wait and see and it's like no if he's if he's made you uncomfortable if you're starting to worry about it you know it's time to to take action and not uh... are there any stats on like how many stalkers like what what kind of size problem is this across the country?
1: Yeah, if you divide it really into three categories. The, the biggest category of stalker tends to be a previous relationship that went south. Mm. So, you know, man and woman are dating or same-sex sexual relationship or dating or their boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, they break up. Then it's the the one party their their attempt to get back at them to get them back into the relationship. Those are usually the most violent and the most volatile. The targets tend to be the their pets. The targets tend to be the house, the car, damage to the per- person's property. Those are the most common and the most volatile. What what we typically see and what we've been talking about you and I is is those types of you know, didn't we go to different high schools together kind of a guy where there's a no previous relationship and this person wants to create one. That's kind of the dumb and dumber kind of guy. There was no relationship and this person wants to create one. Those guys tend to be less volatile and less violent, but they can also be quite problematic because they don't ever stop. And then the third category sort of interesting is what the psychologists call erotomaniacs. And erotomaniacs are typically females. They, they fall in love with Somebody who is important, it could be a teacher or it could be a podcaster, it could be somebody on TV, it could be somebody on the radio, and they think, I am Mrs. So-and-so. So the woman that thought she was Mrs. David Letterman, the woman that thought she was Mrs. Brad Pitt. A lot of women think that they want to be Mrs. Brad Pitt, but, <laughs> but, but those are that kind of obsessional, belief. they actually believe uh, that they're connected to this person as, as husband and wife. A baseball player, had, a, had a, he was a Korean player, had a woman show up and, and tell the team, hey, I'm Mrs. So-and-so, and they put her up in a nice hotel while well, the team was out on the road. She ran up a big room service bill. A player comes back and says, hey, you know, your wife's been here for about 10 days running up a big bill. And he says, I'm not married. This woman came all the way out from Korea to to to, to say, I'm Mrs. So-and-so, and the team believed her. So that stuff happens, and that, that kind of erotomaniac, that same obsessional behavior, is oftentimes with women.
0: Interesting, because that is one of the things that when you go someplace where you're going to meet your listeners which to me i love and one of the things you'll hear is i feel like i i know you cuz you have shared and and you know you're you're in their ears every week and so it's again it's a, a slippery little slope there to to know when when they go oh i i feel like i know you and then there's the i feel like i know you <laughs> Kind of yeah, I mean, look at, look at a
1: guy like Mark Maron who has that happen to him every single week. I mean, there are people that, that hang on his every word, and they tr- show up and try to figure out where he lives because he talks about what neighborhood he lives in, and there are people driving by his house. And it may be quite quite odd after a while to go, geez, who, who's who's parked in my driveway at 3 o'clock in the morning with the engine running?
0: He has had a guy. I remember I listened to his show once, and he had a guy just show up on his doorstep and was kind of like, hey, I'm here. You know, well, you're, you do the podcast for me, and I just want to let you know I'm a big fan. And it was like that had to be kind of freaky because, yeah, he doesn't. You know he 's in California somewhere and and but uh wow, awesome. Well, the other thing I wanted to talk about just to give you a chance to plug uh, tell us a little bit about your podcast
1: yeah, I do a show called Crime Time. Uh, we we really start talking about just all things cops and crooks and the criminal justice system and you know if you look at the news these days a lot of things are about police and this this shift away from you know the cops were kind of our protectors and now they're sort of in this warrior mode and then we've got a big issue about police use of force and all this so I started doing a lot of conversations about just various things about safety what do you need to think about when you go to the mall what do you need to think about when you go to a casino we interviewed a guy who's a casino security guy about keeping yourself safe at a casino a lot of stuff related to keeping you safe with your kids going to school and school violence and workplace violence and bullying and things like that. So my partner's a, a ex-cop from Hartford, Connecticut. He's a TV guy out in San Diego, so we have a good rapport. We, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We do our stupid crook of the week, which is always some idiot that got arrested for some really dumb dumb reason. We do a little crime quiz. We, we have fun with it, but we really talk about some serious stuff. And we have an hour, as, as you know, is a good format to talk about having a guest come in. They do two segments of about 24 minutes and talk about their expertise. We had a postal service guy talk about, you know, scams against the elderly. We had a DEA guy talk about the war on drugs, a CIA guy talk about terrorism. So it's related to safety or security or cops or criminal justice system. We like to talk about it.
0: Yeah, I was over checking it out and just the the headlines. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is cool. And another one, and I was listening to it and was like, and that's what I said uh, when I started listening to, where you more or less interviewed yourself on your the the library security? I was like, "What? And you're talking about all the crazy people that that because uh, it is it's free to go to the library. Anybody can go in there. Now it's like that's the good news is anybody can get a library card. The bad news is anybody can get a library card. Exactly, and you know when you think about
1: the library and the stalking business, that's where they're going to use the computer to figure out who's who. Mm-hmm. I talk to the employees and they say, you know, can we take our name tags, you know, our last name off our name tags, because these guys become enraptured with us. They look up our name on the Internet, on Google, and they find out all kinds of stuff. I mean, you know, even, even people who are mentally ill or homeless have pretty good computer skills sometimes when it comes to that social media. And it's amazing what they can find out. I and mean, when you think about how connected we want to be so that people know where to get a hold of us for business reasons, it, it really puts us out there in terms of the exposure in this country and worldwide as well.
0: Again, your website is com. Thanks for coming on the show, man. That's uh, I, I know I'm definitely nervous, <laughs> but that's what we kind of need to do. I think we need to think about this stuff. Yeah, it's all about boundaries.
1: I mean, if you have good boundaries with the people who come in contact with you, good boundaries with your listeners and fans, then, then you're going to be fine. It's just the ones that, that sometimes they need to, to break instead of the gas pedal.
0: Absolutely. Thank you very much, my friend.
1: Dave, thanks a Take care and good luck with the show.
0: That was an interesting conversation, and I definitely know now what to do if I ever get somebody that is crossing the line. I want to thank so much for uh, Dr. Steve com, And again, you can find everything we're talking about today if you go out to schoolofpodcasting.com and then just throw in a slash 478. That'll take everything there, including a link to Dr. Steve's website, which again is just Dr. Steve Albrecht, and Albrecht is AL. B-R-E-C-T dot com. And I want to introduce a new segment. It's going to be brief, but I've had people that keep joining the School of Podcasting going, wow, this is cool. I never knew this kind of stuff was here. Dave, you got to start talking about this stuff. So uh, I'll give an example of one. I have a large amount of information on planning your podcast. I always say my goal is to get you on the road to pain-free podcasting. And I have a worksheet that you go through that I took the the idea from Ray Edwards. I took a course of his called Rapid Writing Method, and he has a an exercise you go through about how to pick your topic for your book. And I took it and I tweaked it and made it how to find the right uh, topic for your podcast. And so you basically go through you identify the things that you like to talk about. You identify the things you don't like to talk about. You identify things that other people say you're good at. It's a whole worksheet to go through. Not huge. It's not a, a large amount of time to spend on this, but it's a great little tool that's part of the planning your podcast section. So over the next couple of weeks, I'll be talking about the different things that you can do because the different sections are things like, you know, planning your podcast, moving forward, things like how to pick your name, uh, examples of really bad names. That's actually a pretty humorous uh, example. Um, getting ready to record, understanding all the different pieces, parts of the uh, the podcasting puzzle. You know, understanding RSS, understanding your website, things like that. So uh, that's just a little insight into one lesson at the School of Podcasting. And if you're ready to start, just go over to theschoolofpodcasting.com. We'll take you right there. And use the coupon code LISTENER, L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R. September is, of course, International Podcasting Day. How cool would it be if you started right now? You might be able to launch your podcast on September 30th, International Podcast Day. And again, use the coupon code LISTENER, L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that'll save you when you sign up at theschoolofpodcasting.com. And I'll be honest with you. I was going to add a little more content here. We're at about 40 minutes. But due to the kind of serious nature of today's show, uh, next week we will talk about some legal, royalty-free music that you can use in your podcast. I actually reviewed a website, and I'll play that in next week's episode. Just didn't fit in with today's kind of show. So thanks so much for tuning in. Enjoy your holiday here in the U.S. uh, this Monday. And uh, until next week, thanks so much for tuning in. Class is dismissed. Take care, and God bless. See, I do want to make a special announcement here for anyone that listens to this show that attends the Ask the Podcast Coach show on Saturday mornings. We are not doing a show this Saturday. Both Jim and I will be out. Uh, that is September 12th. I will be, of course, doing the keynote at uh, Podcast Mid-Atlantic. And Jim has a um, something that he can't get out of. And uh, rather than try to hand it off to somebody else, we are just not doing a show this Saturday. So we'll see you next Saturday after that. And I'm sure I'll be talking about podcast Mid-Atlantic. So thanks so much to the regular listeners of the Ask the Podcast Coach show.